When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, after a nice long weekend and some time off, we are back with you. The dust has settled on the NFL draft. What does that mean for the Bengals? Who won on offense? Who lost? What does this mean for certain positional battles? We're going to break that down right here, plus more. Welcome into another post-draft edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad, Mike Nislik, and Andrew Gillis with you on a Tuesday. Although, because our schedule is a little bit off with a Saturday podcast, it honestly kind of feels like Monday, but... This is not a Monday. This is a Tuesday, and we're going to act like it's a Tuesday. All right, so as I mentioned, guys, we're going to really just simply put talk about the winners and losers on offense post-NFL draft. So for you guys, just kind of looking through the roster and looking at what we just saw with the draft, who would you say your all's biggest winners are, uh, offensively speaking, after this draft? I think the the biggest winner um, you know, that I could kind of point to is Joe Mixon. Um, you know, you draft, you draft Chase Brown, uh, and, and I think everybody kind of saw a running back getting drafted. That's not, that's not the surprise. I think the surprise is kind of that you didn't really do more at the running back position this off season. Um, you know, if, if we had done this podcast two months ago, uh, you know, I think we did, even did talk about this, you know, Hey, where do you need to add at running back? You lose some AJP Ryan, you basically replace him with Chase Brown, um, you know, Chase Brown had a productive college career. He had, he rushed for a thousand yards twice. Um, you know, was, he was a second team, all big 10, uh, in his, in his final year with fighting a line. I like he, he had a nice college career, but he was not exactly a very heralded prospect. Uh, he was a fourth round pick and that's the only addition that you make at running back. And considering everything that's he was happened, a fifth round pick or was he the fifth, was he the fifth? He round was. Pick? Charlie Jones was Sorry. a fourth round pick. Sorry, fifth round pick. So you have they all runs together. Um, <laughs> so you have Joe Mixon, who was kind of on you know on shaky ground to to go into the off season. You have a situation where nobody really knows what's going to happen with him. Then you lose Samaj P. Ryan, and the only addition that you make is Chase Brown. I just I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, personally, I think that they should have done more at running back this off season. Um, but I mean, that leaves Joe Mixon kind of free and clear to be the team's starting running back. And, and Zach Taylor talked about that. So, you know, with everything that's gone on with, with Joe on the field and off the field in the last year or so, uh, I, I think it's kind of hard to say that, you know, he doesn't leave this off season as a major winner just because he still is in the same position theoretically that he was last year. And, uh, I don't think many people kind of saw that coming a few months ago. 
Well, yeah, it's winner coming out of the draft, and and he he is the clear winner. Especially, I think he kind of buried the lead that after the draft, Zach Taylor was asked about his future, and his, he said his exact quote: "His future is here with the team. I like Joe Mixon, um, and that's as definitive as they've gotten in terms of um, what's the plan. Um, you know, not leaving many much wiggle room there." Um, and, and I think it's surprising. I, I, I don't understand it particularly. I thought, I thought they'd want to leave some room just in case. I mean, it's a lot of salary, uh, for a running back that, um, didn't seem quite as effective. I know that they kind of touted his efficiency, but, um, I didn't leave that season impressed, you know, thinking that he was sort of, um, you know, not that the, all the workload that he's had wasn't sort of adding up. And I think, you know, Chase Brown's a fine back, but he's not using a pick where in those top three rounds where you expect him to compete um, to be a starter. I just don't think that that's what they drafted him to be. Um, and, you know, uh, Zach Taylor said as much. So I think the clear winner here um, for, for, for the offense in terms of the draft is, is Joe Mixon. So we unanimously agree, and I'm with you guys. Like Joe Mixon is, without a doubt, the biggest winner post-NFL draft. But I want to ask you all this. So obviously, like we mentioned, Chase Brown was a fifth-round pick. He wasn't an earlier pick. Let's say Jameer Gibbs falls all the way down to the Bengals, or the Bengals go second round and get like a Devin A. Chain instead of DJ Turner, or they get a Rashawn Johnson instead of Jordan Battle. Like how much earlier would they have had to draft a running back for you guys to feel like maybe Joe Mixon's not a winner in this case? Or did it not really matter for you guys as far as like when he was picked for Brown? Yeah, I think the if you're going to pick a running back, it would have had to have been a like one of the one of the who I think kind of the top three guys. And I think the draft kind of proved this. It would have had to have been a Bijan, a Gibbs and a Charbonnet. And I mean, it was pretty clear that that Bijan and Gibbs were not going to happen by virtue of them going eighth and twelfth. Um, that you know, those were kind of whether you want to say those were surprising or not is one thing. But I think you would have had it. You would have had to make a substantial investment in a running back that high. You know, maybe if the Bengals would have moved out of twenty eight, then all of a sudden you're at thirty nine, and you and you make that pick for for Charbonnet or whatever. Um, you know, I think I think that that could have worked. So I, I think it would have had to have been a substantial investment, uh, but I don't think it's just how early. I think it's also the number. Um, you know, I think you could kind of convince. I think you could kind of convince yourself that, okay, well, they all right. They drafted Chase Brown, hooray. You know, they they needed that. But what if they drafted, you know, Israel Abanacanda and Chase Brown? Then then you're talking about a situation where you're not feeling great about uh, about Joe Mixon's kind of future in Cincinnati. Um, you know, obviously the Bengals drafted two receivers. I mean, what if they had double dipped at, the, at one of those spots, you know, if they had just said, you know, we're going to we're going to add two and, you know, just kind of totally overhaul the room. I think you're feeling different. So I think it was I think you can go out of two ways. I think it's one, the type of investment, because um, the 163rd pick in the draft is not necessarily a very big investment in a running back. So it's that. But then it's also kind of if you do two, then uh, then Joe Mixon's future looks a lot more shaky. I, I don't know about that. I don't know if the two late round picks would have done that. I mean, I think that would have made Chris Evans sort of uh, vulnerable his, at that fo point. Footing, yeah, the footing under. I his. think Chris Evans is already vulnerable at this point. To be fair, but that would well, have just the number, put, put well, the nail the in the coffin, is what Mike is saying. Well, the numbers are okay for him. I mean, they're going to carry four running backs. So, I mean, whether he plays or not, um, you know, all he's got to do is beat out you know a free agent rookie or. Well, are they? Or, I don't know if they're going to carry four though. They didn't last I, year. Yeah, they did. They did. 
Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan, Travion Williams, Chris Evans. Now, they weren't always active on game day, but they had yeah, all four fair. of them you're on right, the active right, roster. Right. Yeah, so um, they they had four. So, um, you know, I, I think that would have meant that that his feet, and even with Gibbs, you know, I think that, that would have been okay for Mixon because he's sort of a change of pace sort of guy. But I just think that um, using a late round pick combined with, you know, them definitively saying like, it doesn't sound like they have a problem with what's going on. Um, and maybe, you know, that'll kind of unfold here with this legal situation that they'll be backed up by that. But, um, you know, I, th- I think the next thing is they have to hope his performance doesn't slip anymore. Um, you know, that, that he's, you know, it's, it's getting old for a running back. He's, he's got a lot of mileage on him and, um, you know, we'll see maybe the offensive line is the answer that the, the improvements they made, but, um, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a real gamble that they're, they're taking at running back. Yeah, I agree there. And, uh, I, I guess you could say, although this doesn't change the fact Mixon's a winner, like you said, like Mike made a good point. Like if that production starts slipping in 2023, like, you know, assuming he's still playing with the team based on how everything else unfolds, like then, yeah, maybe next year we have a different opinion of like, well, that Jace Brown did this, Joe Mixon did this. You know, and then we're having the same conversation we had, like, basically for the last couple months of do they keep Joe Mixon or not. Um, you you guys are going to kind of laugh at this, but I think another winner that maybe people wouldn't think of from this draft is Jackson Carmen. And I'll tell you why Jackson Carmen's a winner. Obviously, they didn't draft an offensive lineman. No tackles, no guards, nobody. I, I thought maybe they were going to go the Dewan Jones route mid-round, you know, before he got taken by the Browns, but inevitably they didn't. But the reason why I think he's a winner is because think about this. No more added competition on the right side, which granted the right side's already bloated with Hakeem Adeniji and Cody Ford and Lyle Collins and Jonah Williams. But let's assume Jonah Williams is traded. You know, who knows? Like that, that could still happen before training camp, like Andrew has said on this podcast. Let's assume Lyle Collins is not 100% for training camp. And I mean, with, with all due respect to Cody Ford, he's not really a traditional tackle. He's played more of a guard really in, with his last two teams in Arizona and Buffalo. So, if you're in a situation like that where there's no Jonah, Lyle's not healthy, and you don't really feel good about Cody Ford, Jackson Carmer can make a serious case for saying, hey, like, I've lost a couple pounds this offseason. Uh, you know, he's changed up his training regimen. He sounds like he's really ready to compete for that position. I don't think Jackson is looking at it as he's competing to be a backup. I think he's competing to be a starter. I'm not saying it will happen, and who knows if it will, but, like, would you guys say he's a winner from this draft? And would you say that there's other offensive linemen who won by the Bengals not drafting anybody? Uh, I would not say Jackson Carmen was a winner. I thought, if anything, Jonah Williams was the loser because he wasn't traded. And I think if a trade was going to happen, uh, it'd probably most likely happen um, during the draft when people are looking to fill fill sort of spots and maybe somebody doesn't get an offensive lineman they wanted, you know, one of those tackles. Um, and then, you know, they, they decide to trade for Williams. I think with him not going, I, I'd, I don't really see, uh, you know, him getting traded now. I think they'll hold on to him. I think it's going to be tough for sort of Carmen to sort of, I know that they're kind of leaving open the door, but I mean, that's kind of what you want to do in a competition. But in terms of if they keep him, Jonah Williams, unless he's a disaster on the right side, just with the salary that he's making, I can't see him not playing starting at right tackle. Right. I'm saying that's if, if in a scenario where there is no Jonah Williams, then, you give Carmen a little bit of a better hand, but I see what you mean. What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I, I think it's fair to call him a winner, but it's 
he's he's still kind of in the same position that he was. So I guess if you want to consider that a win, uh, we're, we are doing it with Mixon, to be fair. Um, but I, I, I think with with Carmen, you 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 look at that situation of, OK, you know, you have you, you, you carry 10 offensive linemen. You have Jonah on or on the right. You have Lael. You have Jackson. Uh, Cody Ford's going to compete there. Uh, you still have Adenogy. You still have uh, Dante Smith. Like, I, you, it, it's a it's a crowded crowded depth chart on the right side. And I mean, certainly not all of those guys are going to be able to make the team. You would assume just because it's a numbers game. You're just going to have too many guys. So, um, you know, I think Carmen Carmen won in in the sense that he's viewed as a potential starter there. Um, you know, Zach Taylor, when he talked to us, uh, after the draft, you know, he said that Jackson was kind of in the mix there. And I think he said that, you know, once or twice since the season is over that kind of, they want him to be in the mix to, uh, to handle that type of role. So, I mean, that matters for Jackson. I just, again, like Mike said, I, I don't think that Jackson is the first option there. I think that's pretty clear and you, they want it to be Jonah, um, but no, I think not only that, I mean, what if Lael Collins is healthy? You're talking about a guy who, who didn't play the right side last year, a guy who did like a guy who says he's feeling healthier like that, that just might be more compelling as well. So, yeah. you know, Carmen, I think Carmen looks, you know, he, he looks okay right now in terms of kind of where he's at on the depth chart. But again, I just, um, I, I'm just, I'm just not sold on, on kind of, on his future being as stable as, as, as it might seem right now, just because you have Jonah, you have Lael, you just have so many names there. It, uh, I think it's going to be a little bit easier to get kind of caught in the wash. Yeah. I mean, if those scenarios play out like you and Mike said, yeah, I mean, Jackson Carmen respectfully is going to compete to at that point. It'll be, is he going to back up Jonah or Lael, but he's going to compete to back up at that point. So he'll be competing more with Cody Ford and Hakeem Adenogy at that point. But again, like, if the trade stuff unfolds and Lyle's not healthy, then you're looking at Jackson with a few bigger eyes. But again, that's a big what if. Nonetheless, he he is a winner in that sense, like you laid out. Here's another winner that I think people shouldn't overlook because, hey, we got to remember the backups too. But Jake Browning, I mean, if you think about it, he's a winner. They did not draft a backup quarterback. I thought they would in that sixth, seventh round tier. Instead, they obviously went with Andrew Yeshivas and DJ Ivy. So, you know, Dak Taylor said himself, like, the fact that they didn't get one speaks to the faith they have in Jake Browning. He didn't rule out a return for Brandon Allen, who's still unsigned. He, you know, implied that and actually just basically mentioned that straight up, said his name, said he's out there. I mean, pending, pending Brandon Allen possibly coming back. Like, would you say Jake Browning is a winner here? I think so. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about a guy who's who's spent some time on the practice squad. Um, and now he's kind of the. I mean, he's as crazy as it sounds. He's he's one snap away from being this team's starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not, uh, you know, you obviously have a college career. I, I talked to him the other day, and you know, he came in immediately and and played. Uh, you know, in his in he he played in 2013 or 2015. He played 13 games, and um, you know, it, that was kind of uh, that was kind of a unique situation. Um, you know, I think he was like the second ever freshman. Uh, I believe I read that earlier today. The second ever freshman to start a true freshman to start at uh, at Washington. And, you know, he kind of talked about the mental reps being big because 
you show up at Washington and all of a sudden you're learning from your own mistakes. Now you can kind of take a, take a breath and, and start to learn from others mistakes, start to learn from others, do what others do well. Um, so, you know, you have, you know, how you have two years on the practice squad and now I think you're, you're in a nice spot because there is nobody else on the roster. Uh, you, you certainly will add, I mean, I would be stunned if they don't add at like one, one, but certainly two quarterbacks. Like you probably want to go into training camp with four quarterbacks just to have enough to run um, enough to run enough offense and uh, to kind of get through the preseason. Cause you obviously don't want to uh, expose burrow to those situations. So, yeah, I mean, Browning it's, I mean, even if you like, you know, Zach Taylor mentioned Brandon Allen was one of the veterans that they're going to be talking to. I think even if Brandon Allen comes back, it, it kind of sounds like Jake Browning's going to be given every opportunity to win this job. Yeah. Just cause he doesn't have a cup of uh, somebody to compete with. I think you're a clear winner. Um, you know, and they, they met with some quarterbacks during the pre-draft process, but I think they went too early for for them to 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 make a move. So uh, he gets a clear boost, and he's already moved his locker out of the practice squad area. So um, you know, clearly he's you know they feel confident that he can um, bring something as the backup quarterback. He has never played an NFL snap. He's been active. He played with the Vikings for three years before he came to Cincinnati uh, two years ago, but even then, never played a snap. So. There is a little bit of a gamble there, but if you have faith in him, then maybe it works. I'm trying to think. Do you, do you guys feel like there's any other winners I'm missing? I, th- You guys will think this is silly. Maybe, maybe T. Higgins is a winner because obviously they didn't get like a bigger body receiver in the first three rounds. We can talk about Charlie Jones later because that has an impact on Tyler Boyd. But, I mean, did T. Higgins get a win? Like, is it clear that? You know, they're going to try to at least I mean, they're going to ride with him this year, obviously, but there's a chance that he's not being replaced right now, at least for now, I should say. Or is it really not even a thought? Not to me. I, I didn't really kind of take it as that. Um, you know, I, th- I feel like that he was going to be on the roster no matter what this year anyway. Right. I don't think that, you know, they weren't going to surprise and draft his replacement in the first round. So I didn't really see, you know, anything on day three to me. Uh, wouldn't have necessarily sort of impacted, um, you know, their future with him. So I, I, I didn't, I didn't really get a sense that that was sort of uh, this draft was going to impact him one way or the other. Noted, noted. Yeah, and I think, I mean, if obviously, like I said, it's day three. So even if they got like like Andrew Yoshivas, for example, you could say he's kind of more of the T Higgins mold, but they didn't get him on day one or two. They got him on day three. So. I mean, it's a very minor win, but a win nonetheless. I mean, you know, if they had pulled like a Dax Hill and drafted a first, second round wide receiver, then or third round even, honestly, then yeah, we're having a different conversation. But no, nah, I mean, they're going to roll them next year and we'll see how the extension talks play out this year and next year. But for now, uh, there is no worries of T. Higgins leaving in free agency in 2024. Those are our winners, but who lost from this NFL draft? We're going to break down those offensive losers, not literally speaking, when we come back right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So we broke down our winners uh, on the offensive side of the ball after the NFL draft for the Bengals. Before we get into, I have to keep saying not literally the losers because I don't want to feel like I'm calling the players losers. You know, we do this to be objective. But before we get into that, uh, we want to remind you guys to sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter. Go to cleveland.com slash newsletters and click on the Strictly Stripes newsletter to sign up. It's free. It's easy. It's in your inbox every morning. And you get all the insights 
from me, Mike, and Andrew. And if you want even more insights and discussion, sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. It's our direct subtext service where we text you, and I'm talking to you, the listener, the fan, the reader, before Twitter, before the web, before this podcast, and you get to interact with us, ask any questions, and answer some questions we have for you because that's what helps drive this podcast. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals to sign up. It's $4.99 a month, but it's a two-week free trial to start. And there's a 99.999% you're not going to cancel because I love saying this no matter how many times you get sick of it. This is the Cool Kids Club. So, my fellow cool kids, we talked about the winners, but just throwing it to you right away, who would you say was the biggest loser for the Bengals on the offensive side of the ball after the draft? Yeah, the I, I think two names that, that really kind of stick out, and they stick out for the same reason, so I'm going to lump them together. Um, you know, I think when you look at the receiver position, it's, it's Trent Taylor and Trent Irwin. Um, you know, those two guys, I think, you know, they, they do a lot of the same things and, and now the Bengals have, have two guys that are going to be really, really hard to, to not put on the roster. Um, you know, when they pick Charlie Jones, it kind of felt like a direct replacement for, uh, you know, for the slot for Tyler Boyd for, for 2024, that's kind of a future conversation, but you know, it felt like you're, you're getting a, a slot receiver that can help you uh, next year and beyond. Uh, or, you know, I mean, you saw it last year when Tyler Boyd went out um, you know, the offense kind of suffers. And then additionally, you know, if T Higgins or Jamar chase goes out, uh, you know, and Tyler Boyd's got to move around a little bit. Now you kind of have an answer there to move somebody into the slot uh, but I mean, you're you're talking about a, a a duo with Taylor and Irwin, where I mean that's just that's just really really hard to to break through, and you have draft picks because you know Mike mentioned this uh, Andre Yoshivas, he he was more of a development pick. You know, he's a guy who you're drafting because of what he could be and kind of his upside there. Uh, and, and it's it's really really hard to kind of give up on a guy like that early. And now Charlie, I mean Charlie Jones is definitely gonna, definitely going to make the team. It just kind of leaves those guys in a precarious position, I think, because, uh, you know, the the team has younger, they have cheaper options there. Uh, you have options that you like long term there. And again, I just I I, I don't think that uh, that it's easy to look at them and, and kind of say, you know, they're they're feeling good right now because you have five receivers with the two rookies and Jamar Higgins and Boyd. That's that I mean, maybe they carry six or seven, but it's just not a great situation for those two right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And then I, you know, I said earlier that I, you know, Jonah Williams, in terms of, uh, I thought the best chance he had at being traded, um, you know, obviously since he's requested that trade, would be during the draft. I mean, you saw um, the Lions move on quickly from DeAndre Swift after they drafted Jameer Gibbs. I thought, you know, depending on how the draft went for guys looking for, for teams looking for a, a tackle uh, or a left tackle, if they didn't get one of those guys in the top rounds, they might look at, at Jonah Williams and say, you know, maybe he's a proven commodity um, and be willing to give up something. Uh, with him not moving on, uh, I just see, you know, uh, it it be, be it, I just don't see a scenario where they where they they do they they uh, trade him. So obviously, with his request, I would say that he he was a, a, a you know lost coming out of that draft. 
Yeah, you you mentioned that earlier when we were talking about Jackson Carmen, and I know that's a good a good point there. You know, kind of go back what Andrew said about Trent Taylor and uh, Trent and Irwin. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, because the thing is, right now Trent and Irwin is your wide receiver four. Obviously, he filled in for Jamar Chase when Jamar Chase was hurt, but technically he's lined up behind Tyler Boyd on the depth chart. So clearly they they moved him around there when you know the injuries piled up. But here's the thing, though. Like, let's say Charlie Jones looks really good in camp, just blows you know the coach's socks off. Then you got to make a decision of like, yeah, you you can still have those seven receivers on the depth chart. Like traditionally, they've had seven receivers on the depth chart. So it doesn't mean that they're going to get cut or move to the practice squad. They could still be there. But as far as like being the wide receiver four, yeah, he could lose that title. Trenton Taylor, absolutely. Not only could he lose his role as a backup, but the bigger concern for Taylor is can he lose his punt return job? Because when we're talking to Darren Simmons at the Combine, you know, he said like, and I mentioned this, I believe, on Saturday when we did our roundup. Like, the goal is to get the ball to the referee. Trent Taylor did not do that consistently. Well, not saying he did it all the time, but he didn't do it as much as he should have. So, uh, you know, if he beats out Charlie Jones for the job, then good for him. But he's on a one-year deal. Um, there's some serious competition. I mean, I believe Charlie Jones was special teams player of the year in the Big Ten. Not last year, but the year before, his second to last year with Purdue. So, yeah, that's that's tough for Trent Taylor. But I think Tyler Boyd... I don't want to say he's as much of a loser as those two guys. God, it feels just—it just feels weird saying loser. By the way, I feel like I'm just insulting these guys, but loser in the sense of—I mean, Tyler Boyd is still your wide receiver three. That's not changing. But let's say you give Charlie Jones some reps, and he looks really good. And not that Tyler Boyd doesn't do well, but he doesn't do like 2020 good or 2022 good. Then at that point, it's like okay, you get to the off season. He's a free agent. You ask yourself, do you even entertain a short-term extension, which already seems like a toss-up because the Bengals don't like to extend guys past their 30s? Or do you say, okay, Tyler, you had a great eight-year run, but we drafted for the future. We're going to go with Charlie Jones. He's our new wide receiver three. That's a very real possibility, and I believe that's a big reason why they drafted him, not just to be the wide receiver four or to compete to be the wide receiver four, but to seriously say, hey, like, I can play good. I can be in the slot. I can take Tyler Boyd's job. I mean, do you guys agree with that? Do you think Tyler Boyd, like, needs to prove next year that, like, he should get another short-term contract and not get beat out by Charlie Jones? Well, I mean, their cap situation is really unique um, just with Burrow kind of, you know, presuming he's going to get that big deal this year. Um, you know, you have T Higgins and Tyler Boyd up on contracts next year. I think, you know, it's, it's pretty fair to say that both of those guys, you know, of the, both of those guys, uh, only one of them is going to be back. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, um, I think with Boyd, Boyd, you can look at as a loser just because I, I think his kind of future in, in Cincinnati looks a little more bleak than it did. Uh, cause now you have, you know, what the Bengals are hoping is, is a direct replacement in the slot, where you have a guy who can just kind of take over that role next year and kind of fill in this year. So, yeah, I don't know. I think um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about all that. I, I just think that, uh, you know, with Tyler Boyd, his 2024 outlook looks a little worse than it did, but it wasn't necessarily great coming in. Well, and yeah, you're always drafting players to be, you know, future stars. So, I mean, yeah, of course, I mean, they hope he'd, he'd do that, but I mean, that's kind of a long road to go down. I mean, I think just in the short term, they're just, I think, focused on what it means for uh, Trent Taylor and Trent Irwin. Uh, you know, as far as Tyler Boyd goes, I mean, that'll kind of play out over the next next year. But, um, yeah, I mean, the goal is that you hope Charlie Jones, I mean, the Bengals hope Charlie Jones is 
a five-year star, but I mean, the reality is, I mean, you know, those fourth round picks are, are sometimes a toss up. You never know which direction they'll go. Yep. That is very well said. I think this is another stretch, but since we kind of mentioned Trent Taylor and Trent and Irwin, you could maybe classify Stanley Morgan in that category specifically because I could see Andrew Yoshivas competing with him for his specific special teams role. I mean, Morgan, almost never plays wide receiver. It's extremely rare. And when he does, it's not very entertaining, but maybe his job gets harder to compete for. Cause again, if the Bengals are only going to put five receivers on the active roster, like they did last year, then yeah, like if you're Stanley Morgan, you absolutely have to be worried because at that point it's like, you're just going to be a special teams guy where you are going to be lucky to make the death chart and you got to compete with Andrew Yeshivas. You got to compete with Charlie Jones. So I think you, I mean, if we're just being specific, you can put Stanley Morgan in that category as well. I know we've talked about Chris Evans. We mentioned him on Saturday. He's already in a vulnerable spot because he was inactive towards the end of last year. Um, But as much as we would obviously agree, yeah, he's a loser just given the Chase Brown competition, how much of a loser do you think Travion Williams is? Like, Do you think Travion Williams has a legitimate shot of competing with Chase Brown? Like, Do you think it's really going to come down to those two? Or do you think Chase Brown is just going to be both of those guys out in a heartbeat? I think Williams is a winner, to be honest. I think that they... Um, seemed to be really high on what he could bring as a second. Uh, second. Uh, um, he's the uh, really uh, different. You know, sort of that change of pace guy, the third down guy. Whereas Chase Brown is not that. They didn't. That they, I think, uh, is a clear third down fit. So I think he. I mean, I thought Chris Chris Evans is was always in a kind of a tough spot. That didn't seem that they are really excited about kind of his growth. I, I think the opposite is true, of Williams. Yeah, no, I think, well, that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I guess when you say it like that, there's an argument for that. But, I mean, I guess they were, if they were going to bring someone in anyway, it wasn't going to matter because, like, like you and I agree with this. I know Andrew somewhat disagreed. He thought that Joe Mixon was going to have to compete for his job. But, like, you and I agreed there is going to be a competition at that spot, which is why I thought, oh, you know, Trayvon Williams is a loser. But I guess that was always going to be the case anyway. So he maybe wasn't really a loser. So I do see your point there. I do want to kind of wrap up, but before I do, and it's a funny question I'm going to ask, but before I do, do you feel like there's any other losers that we're missing or not mentioning right now? Or do you think we kind um, of covered that? Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, quarterback, running back, I think, um, you know, a, a winner maybe that we didn't talk about is is Irv Smith. Um, That's true. That's they true because they didn't get a tight uh, end. They didn't yeah. get one there. Um, I'm just trying to run through my head and things we might've missed just because, I mean, everybody kind of thought that they were going to draft a tight end, um, you know, especially early, you know, I think a lot of people kind of had, had tight end high up on the, on the, on the board for the Bengals and they didn't do that. Um, so, you know, I think Irv Smith's maybe a winner, but, you know, again, offensively, I, it's kind of hard to say, you know, anybody's, you know, anybody's like a loser that we didn't mention, um, you know, maybe, if you wanted to like super stretch it, you could say, you know, Brian Callahan because he didn't get a running back and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, this is the second straight year that they had three straight defensive picks to start the draft. So maybe you could say him, but he still has, you know, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow, like an improved offensive line. Like, I don't know. I just think that um, I think we did a, I think we did a pretty com- comprehensive job there. Yeah, I'd agree about the tight ends, all the tight ends on the roster, really. I mean, um, they don't have a guy to compete with, and, you know, they're going to be featured in the offense much more so than I think anybody thought at the start of the offseason. 
Yeah. And I mean, even if you, you somehow bring back Mitchell Wilcox, like if he somehow comes back, I think it's just really the same thing as last year. All you do is replace Hayden Hurst with Irv Smith. All right. Well, here, here's a funny question I want to ask you guys. You're going to think I'm silly, but I, I've actually been thinking about this for like the last day. So I mentioned Jackson Carmen and how he kind of changed his training up. So did you guys know that he does yoga and gymnastics? Like he goes to a gymnastics gym in Crestview Hills, Kentucky, which is just outside of Cincinnati. Like when you hear that, does that like blow your mind or does that actually kind of make sense that an offensive lineman does gymnastics? Well, I mean, I've heard about like football players doing ballet before. Wait, um, really? I mean, it's common to do different methods. I mean, yoga is really common. I mean, to yoga get... makes sense. Yeah, Pilates too. I know a lot of I players know. do Pilates, but I, mean, I don't, I don't know, what you... know what gymnastic is he doing. Is he doing the high beam or is he just going to the gymnastic school <laughs> school to see yoga? I'm assuming. I mean, yeah, the high beam. I I would literally pay to see that, but I don't know. He wasn't specific, but I would assume the yoga because he's doing like at home stuff. But then he actually goes to that gym I mentioned, and I would presume it's the yoga. The Pilates makes sense. I know a lot of guys do that because it helps with their core, helps with their mobility, which, I mean, no matter what position you play, you need that. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess I was perplexed because I imagine, like, gymnastics being, like, super small, like, shorter. Like, people, like, you know, you guys watch, like, I covered college gymnastics, fun fact, in college. Like, you know, they're all shorter, smaller, like, you know, just imagining, like, six foot five, three hundred and twenty foot pound guy i'm just like wait what like like is this man doing the splits because if he does then yeah maybe that competition is heating up but i mean like could you could you guys ever do that like have you guys ever like tried yoga or gymnastics or anything like that like have you ever like, like thought about it even uh, no <laughs> you just said no. the hard no like yeah, don't put me in there no for me man yoga's tough so i actually tried it in college because it was free at like the student center it was like a student thing. I did one class and I was just like, I literally was so sore, like as if I just lifted weights. And I'm like, dang, how do people do this? I never came back after that. So I guess you could say I was a coward, but I live with that. And I, I openly say that. But yeah, I don't know. Gymnastics. I don't play football. I don't I don't play sports like that. So I guess it's not a thought. Although, although I think Pilates is interesting. I don't know much about it. But just from like talking about this, I want to go online and read about it. But are 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 you guys like like what do you what do you guys like do in your spare time physically like workout wise what do you guys enjoy doing I don't think I've ever asked you this. Uh, I like walking from bar to bar. Um, that uh, I feel like that helps me get my steps in. Um, oh no, I yeah, I mean you go to the gym whenever you whenever you're free. Um, but yeah. nothing nothing as intense as uh like you know yoga. Or, pilates or crossfit or whatever oh yeah crossfit's intense i want to try might try that sometime though what about you mike what, what does mike nice do in his spare time if, if he's feeling the vibes if he's feeling like moving i mean i rarely do so i mean <laughs> <laughs> hey yeah, our, muhammad our jobs are to sit on the computer i don't know i don't know what well, uh what other, yeah what other yeah well, you know what? That explains a lot because now I know why when I go to the gym. So so I guess to answer the question, I really just do basic strength training, just squats, deadlifts, bench press. Getting back into it after Ramadan is tough because you're going to naturally lose some muscle. But yeah, I always notice my lower back is always hurting. And I'm like, I know I don't have a bad lower back, but I realize I'm just sitting so much talking to you, Yahoo's on this podcast, man. It's just already messing up my form. You know what I'm saying? But I think that's just any office job, though. I've just been trying to do more stretching to make up for it. 
But don't worry, I don't think you guys are actually Yahoos. Maybe the listeners do, but I can't control that. Well, for those who tuned in, we appreciate you all. Tune in tomorrow. We're going to do everything we did today, but with the defense. And we're going to talk about who won and who lost from the NFL draft on the defensive side of the ball. And later this week, we'll reset our depth chart and spin things forward into rookie minicamp. But once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We will see you Wednesday, not Tuesday. Today's Tuesday.